are you guys as fucking excited as I am right I'm now? I'm so excited. I can't contain it. We know Christian's excited. Oh, I'm so excited. This is her This is her favorite. It's <gasps> bread and butter. This is like her number one. He feels like a warm, corpsey hug. And fun fact, he is the most documented serial killer mm-hmm. ever. He's fantastic. Ever. Uh, we have more insight into Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer <gasps> than any other serial killer ever. He is a researcher's wet dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I need him to, if he was still alive, I needed him to petition to like read children's books because his voice is very soothing. You know, another guy on our list that we'll talk about later on this summer did read books. Is his job in the prison. Books on tape, where you can listen to him read the books on tape. Were they children's books? They were They were not children's books. No. Were they educational? No. But today, actually, I think a few of them might have been. But today we're going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, mm. My mouth is watering. Fourth of July weekend's coming up. We had to do a cannibal. We had to do a cannibal. I've been binge watching the new season of Iron Chef. <laughs> so I, that's the most research I've done on this episode. Dahmer did say that human flesh is, or yeah, human flesh is much like pork. Long pig is what they call it in Asia. Mm. So as always, we are Creeps in the Crypt. My name's Eric and I'm joined by Sam and Christian. Hello. I'm over here wheezing. I'm so excited. And Sam? A la cuisine! (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Thank you. So Jeffrey had a couple nicknames. One was obviously the Milwaukee Cannibal, and the other one was the Milwaukee Monster. Nearly all of his victims were gay ethnic minorities, and most of them were poor and extremely vulnerable. Or very, very young. He loved their bodies. The hairless bodies. That's 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 the number one thing Dahmer admired most about his victims is the torso. And he didn't like people with tattoos. They t- he said they tasted funny. What? I mean, you're safe. Everybody in this room is safe. I'm safe. Yep, I'm not getting eaten by Dahmer. I'm also not going to be in a gay bathhouse to be eaten by Dahmer. So Also true. But I would go and have... A slice of pie and some coffee with him and listen to him talk. Is, is it minced man pie? I mean, he can have that. I'm going to go with something a little bit different, but, you know. I probably have, like, apple. I don't think I would ever take a pie made by Jeffrey Dahmer. Why? Absolutely fucking It not. would be. I have the funniest Jeffrey Dahmer memes that I'm going to send you when we're yes. done. Please do. I, I made, I was fucking crying laughing. I'll send you my favorite one first. It's you know fucking majestic. I definitely wouldn't even take chocolate made by Jeffrey Dahmer either. The fudge. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you pack the fudge at the never mind. Okay, let her go. Ew! Just let her go on her. No. Please. Don't you dare. You're ruining this, Eric. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born on May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to middle-class family Lionel and Joyce Dahmer. At first, he was an energetic and happy kid up until the age of four when he had to have surgery to correct a double hernia. 
He woke up after the surgery convinced that the surgeons had stolen his genitals. Spoiler alert, they did not. After the birth of his baby brother, David, Jeffrey became increasingly withdrawn. His parents pretty much quit paying attention to Jeffrey. Well, you know, the oldest child is the the rough draft. We are the guinea pig. Yeah. We are the ones that get... All the all the baby books tested out on them, and then when the parents find out that that's all a crock of shit, they're like, "Well, I guess I fucked this one up." We are the guinea we're pigs. gonna try again. Guinea pigs. Yep. At least them cute. Mine have gotten to the point where they're just like, "Meh, nah. she's gonna do what she wants." Yeah, mine have given up. Mine have too. Respectfully. Given up. Mine gave up a long fucking time ago. <laughs> Mine have let me fuck around and find out the majority of my life. <laughs> and they're just like, how'd that work out? Not well. Not well. Not well. Mine do the same. <laughs> In 1966, the Dahmers moved to Bath, Ohio, which caused Jeffrey's insecurities to grow, and his shyness kept him from making new friends. Oh, I would be your friend. We could be friends. I know, he's so sweet. He was a fucking weirdo. I would be friends. I was friends with weirdos. Yeah, here's the sad thing. Most we we all kind of relate to uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in a way. I'd be his friend. Mm. Dahmer spirit. I would be your friend. Dahmer spirit. Don't bring that evil in this house. Please come say hello to my husband. I have nothing to worry about. I'm hairy and I don't have the physique of an Adonis. If you're not fourteen. And there, there, there were some older ones. Yeah, but not very many. The Dahmer home was anything but happy. Lionel was working on his doctoral studies, so he wasn't home much. Joyce was far from the ideal mother. Lionel said that she was addicted to prescription drugs while pregnant with Jeffrey and was mentally unstable after she'd given birth to him. What could go wrong? What mother is not mentally unstable? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm just saying, sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> Thus beginning Jeffrey's game called Infinity Land. This is so fucking creepy. Like, in context now. Maybe not, like, seeing a kid do this, but now, yeah. He would have, like, sticks all around And that were like men. And one by one, they would all disappear into a vortex. Lionel's just thinking that he has a creative kid. He's like, cool, whatever, let him do his thing. Mm. This is be proven to be a mistake. Mm. One night after dinner, a chicken dinner to be exact. It's important for the story. He turns to his dad and asks him, quote, what would happen if we put chicken bones in bleach end quote and lionel is all about it he's a scientist so he sees this as some sort of experiment and lionel said that jeffrey was quote oddly thrilled by the sounds of clanking animal bones he's like the uh the villain in the warriors where he's clanking the bottles like warriors come out and play Just with chicken bones? (laughs) The little, like, thingies. Yeah. With, like, the dance. 
the flamenco. Is that what it is? Oh, the, the little, little clams. Ch- oh, yes. fucking hell. Yeah, I guess that would work, Sam. <laughs> that's what I envision when that it's... tracks. <laughs> when you say clanking animal bones, that's all I... <laughs> that's all I thought of. <laughs> anyway, by his early teens, he was pretty much disengaged, tense, and virtually friendless. At a young age, Jeffrey became fascinated with all things death-related, Jeffrey spent his time collecting roadkill and stripping the animal carcasses and saving the bones to flamenco dance later. <laughs> oh, my God. So at this point, let's talk. Let's listen to Jeffrey talk about uh, his relationship with animal carcasses. This this happens in his first year of high school that he's talking about, but. This all relates to what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. In ninth grade, uh, in biology class, we had uh, the usual dissection of uh, fetal pigs. And uh, I took took the remains of that home and and kept uh, the skeleton of it. And I just started branching out uh, dogs, cats, I suppose it could have turned into a, a, a normal hobby like taxidermy. I have to sidebar that for a second. Could you imagine how fucking hilarious Jeffrey Dahmer's taxidermy would be? What if it was humans? I would imagine oh. it would be something like out of House of a Thousand Corpses where Otis turns Dwight Schrute into a manfish. Um, I would say Fish it's boy. something between that and uh, Wax Museum. Is that what that horror movie's called? Yeah. House of Wax. House of Wax, yeah. That one. Uh, yeah. I don't know, though. I feel like uh, the, Firefly, uh, the Firefly family taxidermy would be the more the route he would go, maybe. It'd Just be very a half man, half fish. Fish boy. Fish boy. Fish boy. In Lionel's mem- oh, Hold on. I'm going to continue this. Oh. All I know is that uh, I wanted to, to see what the insides of these animals looked like. I, I, um, there may have been some violence involved, some underlying subconscious feelings of violence. Uh, I just, it was, a, it was a compulsion, became a compulsion. What would you do with the, with the dead animals, Jeff? Take them back in the woods, uh, skin them sometimes, uh, Slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, look at the organs, feel them. Can you describe what no, you were thinking? No, I, I was, I was. It was just mystifying to me how how the insides of the animal looked. Uh, there was a sort of ex, uh, general excitement for me. I don't know why. It was a, it was exciting to see. All I can imagine is him like sticking his entire head in there and like motorboating inside the open cavity. Oh, I figured he was just coming on dead animals. No. He's like, oh, that fucking sinew. God. Oh. <laughs> I've just ruined Sam. If you haven't done it yet, I don't think you're gonna. I'm, I'm making that my mission this year. Fantastic. Yes. Oh my gosh, love it here. Who doesn't want to play with dead animals? I mean, mm. I did dissect a lot of shit in high school. We did sheep's eye. I did, yeah, that and a lamb's heart. Mm-hmm. 
But I didn't steal the fucking thing and take it home and jerk <laughs> off to it either. I don't think he jerked. I don't think this is the point where he was jerking. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, he, he took the pedal pig home. Yeah, he took the pedal. No, so, I know that, but did he jerk off yes. on it? You have that confirmed that yes, he jerked that off is on confirmed. it. confirmed. He sexualized a fetal pig. Yes, he did. And Skeleton. Well, it was yeah, a fetal pig thing. at first. Oh. Then he made it a skeleton. The whole Much shebang. like all of his boyfriends. All 17 of them. I haven't even had 17 boyfriends. I haven't either. I've had four. I don't like that many men. Hi, baby. I love you. (laughs) Don't turn my penis into a shrine, please. I wasn't planning on it. Not yet, anyway. Oh, God. In Lionel's memoir of Father's Story, he wrote, quote, As a scientist, I wonder if the potential for great evil resides deep in the blood that some of us may pass on to our children at birth, end quote. He also implied that Joyce was a hypochondriac who suffered from depression. She spent a lot of time in bed and refused to touch Jeffrey when he was a baby for fear of con- contracting germs and diseases. Wouldn't it be the other way around? Mm. Yes. Yeah, she was a, what you She's call, fucking, fucking Looney Tunes. Uh, one fun fact about Lionel, though, is uh, at the about the age of 13, he got Jeffrey into li- weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So Jeffrey would spend his free time lifting weights. So he was just this jacked fucking 13 year old. Terrifying. Jeffrey claimed that his compulsions toward necrophilia and murder began around the age of 14, but it really ramped up after his parents' bitter divorce a few years later. That may have been the catalyst for turning those thoughts into actions. During high school, Jeffrey had average grades. He worked on the school newspaper. He also developed a pretty bad drinking problem at 14. Dude, this guy was fucking hammered all the time. He would often drink at school. He would hide beer and liquor in his army fatigue jacket and in his locker. Kids at school would ask him what what was in the bottles he was drinking and he would respond with, it's my medicine. He's basically fucking Spicoli, dude. <laughs> like, just lit off his ass all the time. Mostly on scotch. That was his drink of choice. Like, really? he would, Yeah, he would have a... a and gin. A, yeah, he'd do gin, but mostly scotch. Mm-hmm. He'd keep a bottle of it in his army fatigue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he'd keep a full bottle in his locker where he'd come and like, refill the small bottle. Yeah. I gotta get my refill in before math class. I would need a drink before math class, too. In attempts to fit in, Jeffrey would pull practical jokes by pretending to have seizures. He would make fun of his mother's interior decorator who had cerebral palsy. He would do it so often that pulling off a good joke was known as, quote, doing a Dahmer at school. Duh, would you be interested in buying some drapes? Yeah, he would literally, like, that was literally like one of the lines. Mm-hmm. And he would just like say these random ass fucking catchphrases. Like some may believe that would be true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was that kid. Yeah, We've all <laughs> had that kid in high school. Absolutely. And if you didn't have that kid, you probably were. Of course. That kid. Uh, when I was in high school, those kids would like try to matrix run up the walls and things. Those are my friends. Stop it. Yeah. 
I can't. They were not my friends. I was like, these kids are fucking weird. I need these kids to not kill themselves or shoot up to school. That way, I'm not at the bottom tier of the the totem pole. I was like two notches above those kids. I was like, I was on thin ice. I was on thin ice. Oh, my God. It was also during this time that Jeffrey realized that he was gay. Jeffrey began to fantasize about sexually assaulting men and would become aroused at the idea of completely dominating and controlling another person. Whenever he would masturbate, he would think about the fetal pig's body that he dissected and brought home from biology. Oh, there it fuck is. Yeah, I'm gonna make you squeal like a piggy. Uh. Okay, you know what? I feel like that that is coming from somewhere, and you better not say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> you got a pretty mouth. Okay. Oh God. Jeffrey had an obsession with a jogger that would run by his house every morning. He would sit outside, Jeffrey would, every morning and just watch him. But one day, he decides that he is going to kill the jogger. And he gets his, we got, what, he got a bat, right? Yeah, he got a baseball bat. He got a baseball bat. He, like, hides in the bushes, laying in wait. He had this hidey hole. Uh, I don't know if it was like in a tree or something, but he was like a bush. Yeah, he would watch this fucking jogger every day for months. He sounded hot by the description, so I can't really blame him. But you hit him with a bat. I mean, he's got to take him by surprise because it's not like he could chase him. Dahmer was lit all the time. He's just drunk. I might hit him with his ass though. Oh (laughs) shit, Sam! He's gonna hit that ass. Just kidding. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's going to bring a whole new meaning to tap that. <laughs> but that day, for whatever reason, the jogger never went for his run. He took a different route that day. Whatever. He never jogged by Jeffrey Dahmer's house. You know, that is he was the luckiest so- fucking guy ever. <laughs> you know the guy when he probably saw the documentary come out? He's like, I used to jog by that house. Oh, my God. He's like, I used to wear my tight red bicycle shorts as i ran by because it was it was like the 70s by now wasn't it early late 60s just a dude with a big porno stash absolutely mm-hmm. and a fro no it did not have a fro i bet he had a fro i bet he didn't have a fro it was the 70s everybody had a fro and a lot of cocaine probably that that's why he's jogging first thing in the morning who, who in the right mind went out the coke? <laughs> went to the disco the night before. I got to get this coke out of my system. Probably still awake from the disco. Jeffrey's parents divorced the same year he graduated high school, which was 1978. Lionel said, Lionel and David, Jeffrey's little brother, moved into a nearby motel, and Jeffrey and Joyce stayed in the family home. Shortly after he graduated high school, like the same month, June 1978, Jeffrey was alone in the home to fend for himself for like three months. What does he decide to do? He doesn't throw a rager or eat ice cream for breakfast, which is probably what I would do. Yeah, he's not doing the Tom Cruise in his tidy whities Risky business. Yeah, he's not risky business. It is shit. some risky business, but well, that is some risky business. Way. Not in that way. 
he decides to pick up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks and took him back to his parents' house. I guess it's his mom's house now. Stephen was on his way to a rock concert in Lockwood Corners. Jeffrey talks him into joining him at his house for drinks before he goes to the show. Well, uh, Jeffrey gets Stephen drunk and hits him in the head with a 10-pound dumbbell and then strangled Stephen when he tried to leave. Yeah, that was Dahmer's big thing. He never wanted him to leave. Well. He's like, I want you to stay forever. Forever. With me. And he doesn't tell you how you're going to stay forever, but you're not going to like it. It doesn't sound good. This is the Hotel California. Mm -hmm. You can check out, but you can never leave. He strips Stephen naked and masturbated on his body. Jeffrey then dismembered, dissolved, pulverized, and scattered Stephen's body in plastic trash bags and buried them in the woods surrounding the property. Sometime later, it was after he got back from the army. Okay. So this was like a few years late. It was like two or three years later. He dug up the pieces and crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them across a wooded ravine. He would later say that the reason he killed Stephen was simply because Jeffrey didn't want him to leave. And let's listen to Jeffrey talk about this in his own words. Perfect. From uh, 15 on, I, I had this reoccurring fantasy of, uh, of uh, meeting a hitchhiker on the road and uh, of taking him hostage and, and doing what I wanted with him. About three years later, I was 18 years old, driving home, uh, I saw this hitchhiker about a mile from my house thought to myself, should I stop and pick him up or should I just keep on going? Uh, I wish I just keep on, kept on going, but I didn't. I turned around, picked him up, and uh, that's when, that's when it, the nightmare became a reality. It, it just seemed so bizarre to me that th this obsession that I had been thinking about and wanting just... Uh, all the all the parts are there, and it, they make it possible to make it happen. What happened after you took him to the house? The house was empty. My uh, mother was up in Chippewa Falls with her family, and my dad was living in a in a uh, rented motel about five miles away, due to the divorce. And uh, I I pretty much had the the place to myself. I was drinking a lot during that time. And just, uh, I don't know, looking for something to, uh, some way to find some fulfillment, some, some pleasure. And I acted on my fantasies, and uh, that's where everything went wrong. So, I don't know if Dahmer read, I don't know if the book The Secret was out yet back then, where if you just visualize it and dream it, it'll come true. Because that's what sounds like fucking happened. He's mm. like, I want to do that. <gasps> Here's my opportunity. Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong fucking time. He just wanted to go to a concert. I know, poor little guy. It <laughs> this is fucked up. I hope it wasn't like a Kiss concert. Um, like Detroit Rock City. <laughs> they already had a couple fans die on that one and wrote a song about it. Oof. 
By the time of Jeffrey's first murder, his alcohol consumption had gotten out of control. He dropped out of Ohio State halfway through the semester. His father told Jeffrey to get a job or join the Army. So, late December of 1978, what does Jeffrey do? He signs a six-year contract with the Army. He was stationed in Germany from 1979 to 1981 as a combat medic shortly after enlisting. What's really interesting about this is he refused to draw blood. He couldn't do it. It, like, freaked him the fuck out. But he ate people. Well, not not and yet. dismembered not, them. Not yet. And dissolved their body. So... It was because it was warm. It was... It was because of this murder. He tried to tamp that murder down and not let that out. That was He was trying to compartmentalize that very mm. fucking hard. And I'm sure drawing blood reminded him of it, but he would, like, fucking faint trying to draw blood from somebody as a combat medic. Not probably the best job for Jeffrey Dahmer. Probably not. He should be in the galley cooking. I would say probably more in the killing fields. You know, he was very good at that. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, infantry? Yeah. Yeah. But that didn't put a damper on his drinking. In early 1981, Jeffrey was honorably discharged from the army. Germany would later investigate possible connections between Jeffrey and murders that had taken place in the area that he was in during the time. But currently, there's no evidence that he claimed any lives while he was in the army. He did, however, drug and assault two soldiers named Billy Joe Capshaw and Preston Davis. Both survived the attacks. On March 24, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and was provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. Dahmer later told police that he felt he could not return home to face his father, so he opted to travel to Miami Beach, Florida. Ah, a land known for their open shirts and slightly hairless men. Slightly? Yes. There's lots of waxing going on. There's a lot of waxing. Um, I would say completely. Most of them are bald, too. Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mr. Worldwide. Dolly, <laughs> Dahmer. <laughs> that's where he got that from. No, just, that's not. Fucking. <laughs> I would love to hear a story about like Pitbull meeting Dahmer. Oh my god. He went to Miami both because he was tired of the cold and in an attempt to live by his own means. In Florida, Dahmer found employment at a delicatessen and rented a room in a nearby motel. And this wasn't like a good motel. This was like a Cecil Hotel type of thing. (laughs) Like $7 a night. Ouch. Dahmer spent most of his salary on alcohol and was soon evicted from the motel for non-payment. He initially spent his evenings on the beach as he continued to work at the sandwich shop until phoning his father and asking to return to Ohio in September of the same year. After his return to Ohio, Dahmer initially resided with his father and stepmother and insisted on being delegated numerous chores to occupy his time while he looked for work. He continued to drink heavily, and two weeks after his return, Jeffrey was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct, 
for which he was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. Yeah, I think this was the this was the one at the state fair, right? Yeah, I think so. So he he basically got shit house drunk and mooned uh, a family in the state <laughs> fair. It and is any good American would do is get blackout drunk at a state fair and just show your ass. Well, he also uh, jerked it in front of two boys. Well, that that comes later on. Oh, it does. I thought yeah. it was this time. No, no, that that he did that at like several times. I think he admitted it up to, like, he did it, like, five times or some crazy shit. That's ridiculous. Lionel tried unsuccessfully to wean his son off of alcohol. In December of 1981, he and Dahmer's stepmother sent him to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. Jeffrey's grandmother was the only family member to whom he displayed any affection. They hoped that her influence, plus the change of scenery, might persuade Jeffrey to quit drinking, find a job, and live responsibly. This is where Jeffrey would live for the next six years. Living with his grandma did not put a damper on his drinking, however. In January of 1985, Jeffrey was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights per week, with Saturday evenings off. I want to say he got paid a shitload of money at this job, too. It was, like, a absurd amount. Um, Most wanna, overnight shifts do get paid more. Yeah, I want to say it was, like, $17 an hour or $19 an hour. In, what, the 80s? Yeah. That might be, like... I'll have to fact check that for the next episode, but yeah. We'll do some crypt cleaning next time. Yeah. But I know he got paid a fuck ton of money. In 1985, he was frequenting gay bathhouses where he would drug and assault men as they lay unconscious. So when he was doing this, he was like taking this um, sleeping pill that will come up in other true crime stories called Halcyon. And dosing uh, dudes in the bathhouses, and he would just lay with them. Fucking weird, man. It's snuggle time. It's snuggle snuggles. Yeah, then it's gonna be masturbating time, and you're gonna lay there and watch it. His okay, then. <laughs> that's a that's really aggressive. His drinking problem continued. And he was arrested that next summer for indecent exposure. And again in 1986, when two boys accused him of masturbating in front of them, he served 10 months in jail and wound up being arrested again for fondling a 13-year-old Laotian, Laotian. Laotian boy in Milwaukee. So what's really funny about this is the two kids made fun of him. They were like, yeah, you having a good time over there, man? He's like, fuck, fuck yeah, I'm having a great time. And they're just like fucking hysterically laughing at this asshole. Ugh. During his trial for the molestation charge, Jeffrey was the poster child of remorse. He argued very well in his own defense about how he'd seen the error of his ways and that his arrest marked a turning point in his life. Well, it kind of did, but not the one they're thinking of. His legal team argued that he needed treatment and not put in jail, and the judge agreed. He sentenced Jeffrey to a one-year prison sentence that he only served, like, eight months of. 
on a, quote, day release where Jeffrey was allowed to go to work during the day and then return to the prison. Some source material call it work camp and other call it, like, day release. Um, so. Yeah, he basically begged them, like, look, I have a really good job. I cannot lose my fucking job. Please let me keep my job. Mm-hmm. And they let him keep his job. Uh, one of my friend's husbands, he got like a DUI and had to serve jail time. And they let him do like the whole like day release thing at yeah. J. Rubin. Just like sleep there overnight. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he who would... else had that sweet, sweet gig? Uh, oh, Jeffy Epstein. <laughs> we see how that worked out for him. Mm-hmm. Lionel Dahmer, Jeffrey's dad, was unable to understand what was happening to Jeffrey, but he continued to stand by him, making sure that he had good legal counsel. He began to accept that there was little he could do to help his son. He soon realized that his son lacked a basic human element, a conscious. Years later, in an interview with CNN, Jeffrey's dad, Lionel, said that he wrote a letter to the court that issued Jeffrey's sentence, requesting that his son get psychological help prior to his son's parole. Jeffrey didn't take his second victim until September of 1987. So we're talking almost like 10 years of no murder. So you already know he's chomping at the bit. (laughs) Don't forget, Jeffrey is... He's he's still on probation for this molestation charge. So he served his prison sentence and he still had to be on probation for a certain amount of time. So right now he's out on probation. And that's where we'll pick back up next week. Dun, dun, dun. For Jeffrey Dahmer Part 2. Yes. So right before the demons get let out. For he Yes. he Release the demons. Release the evil. Yeah, we're going to release the demons. Next uh, next week. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, guys, we hope you enjoyed a little insight into the childhood of Jeffrey Dahmer. And his first kill. And his first kill. We gave you a kill this first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike our boy Gacy, who we didn't get to his kills until episode two. Mm-hmm. So we hope you love that little nugget. Uh, without further ado, Christian. So she's. Yes. So she's. So she's. First and foremost, thank you guys so much for listening. We truly, 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 truly appreciate you guys so, so much. That being said, make sure you guys have your auto downloads on and make sure that you guys are caught up. It's about to get real wild here. This guy right here is a personal favorite. It's only going to go downhill from here. (laughs) It is not. Mm. We're doing cool. one of my favorites next with, in like with two him, weeks. It's going to go downhill. Not as far as with the oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like, this is your favorite. And it's like, eh, meh. This is where he's being nice. Um, nice? He killed a man. 17 to be exact. He killed a man in there this episode. There was one. We've killed ones that, or we've talked about ones with higher body counts. It's semantics. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Instagram, Make sure you guys are listening on us on the TikTok. And please leave us a review mm-hmm. on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, and I have an announcement. Ooh. I was just about to do that. So for somebody. we want to get nominated for this year's Paranormality Awards. Uh, it's a podcast awards 
uh, for Paranormal and Horror Podcast. Um, so if you go to paranormalitymag.com, you can actually nominate, nominate us. us. So please nominate us, guys. Do it. It's going to be a good time, and I would love to get some a tip of the hat to, to the show. Mm-hmm. So... Guys, thank you so much for coming along on this Summer of Slaughter, and we will see you next Friday. Stay creepy. Bye.